Hello, and welcome to episode one of Life As I Know It. I'm your host, Emily Buckland, and today's episode is a bunch of different things. First, it's a pilot for my new channel. It's also a class project. And lastly, it's a history lesson. Today, we'll be talking about the Beatles and their impact on the counterculture of the 1960s. So, let's begin with a brief background of who the Beatles were. As most know, there are four members, and in no particular order, their names are Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, John Lennon, and George Harrison. They came together in Liverpool, England in the year of 1960. They got signed in January of 1962 by a man named Brian Epstein. Further on, they made their first appearance in the United States on The Ed Sullivan Show in February of 1964. This live event had reported over 70 million views, and the rest is history, for the bond between the young people of the USA and these four men. They went on to do a world tour where mobs of fans, especially young women, screamed and awed over them. Two months later, they were back in the U.S. doing a 24-city tour over 26 days. The days went, performance, release music, influence the fans, and then repeat. They were topping the charts with each of their releases. As one could imagine, the exhaustion of coping with the fans and playing live... In 1965, they decided to put more time into the studio and less time on the road. Many will agree that they are one of the most influential bands of all time. Well, what is the reasoning for that? Let's dive in on how much of an influence they were in the counterculture of young Americans during the 1960 decade. Americans can be described as always wanting more. It turns out the kids of this time certainly just wanted more and more of these Beatles. For instance, in their two first weeks here, they did three concerts and two appearances on The Ed Sullivan Show. During these appearances, the boys were in their early 20s, which was the age of most of their fans. This age group was also the group opposing a counterculture in the United States. Let's first talk about what the four boys did as a band to start. I will later get into some ways that they individually lent some movements and ideas. For one, they inspired the long hair movement that was becoming popular amongst the young men. It was a symbol of freedom. The rock and roll music had been introduced, and the Beatles followed the genre's presets. The rock music was an outward projection of the youth trying to escape their normal American life in suburbia. It is important to remember, however, that not all the fans of the Beatles were specifically of the counterculture. They had fans from all walks of life. I've decided to just put a lens on this group and how the Beatles' existence fit in with their lifestyle. With that, this time is extreme for musicians. They are dealing with the post-war baby boom, so their young people topped the older generations in numbers. The high numbers of this age group gave immense power to implement social change, and for that, it sure did. This age group wanted to challenge the wave of older Americans who weren't aware of what it meant to be original. Some of the topics that held up conflict were religion, abortion, race and inclusivity, gender roles, and homosexuality, and their opinions on drugs or politics. This was the counterculture, made up of protesters, activists, and hippies. The 60s were a wild ride with so many affluences, making it an important decade in American history. Their solidarity as a group was a key factor to the influence. Stephen Stark wrote in his book, Meet the Beatles, There was a kind of love between the four of them, some feeling that gave them strength. It was a case of the whole being stronger than its parts. Their group effort gave the youth a sense of nonconformity that allowed no room for individual rebellion. 
Instead, the individual rebels came together to form the activism protester groups amongst the counterculture. Another angle their group gave off was that it was okay for guys to be friends. Stephen Stark also wrote, Allen Ginsberg, the poet, even saw in the group's sense of itself an implicit endorsement of gay rights. They were giving an example to the youth that guys can be friends also. As they gained more fame, the development of Beatlemania had arrived in the States. The mass crowds they attracted were one of a kind. They represented youth power. The screams and cries of young women in disbelief that they were in the same vicinity as the Beatles went something like this. I found a couple of quotes from diehard fans of the time. Lynn Harris said, We screamed because it was a kick against anything old-fashioned. They represented what we could do with our lives. Her meaning of they represented what we could do with our lives was that the boys gave a sense of virginality. They were suggesting to these kids that they did not have to be your average male worker or stay-at-home wife. Another fan wrote, The Beatles made fun of authority, made it all seem absurd, even laughable. It was a new kind of power. The fans sensed a community when they were in the audience. The Beatles' emphasis of being you and doing what you wanted helped drive the youth movement in years to come. Beatlemania helped create the notions of student activism, as you may recall back to starting on the Berkeley campus in California. To pan in on the youth movement and student activism, their song A Hard Day's Night represented some of the feelings these students had. The effects of the song brought the merge of teen culture with bohemian culture, as people were starting to fail that the rock and roll scene was now becoming too mainstream. The song then helped create a movie by director Richard Lester. In 1964, at the free speech movement held on Berkeley's campus, the students chanted, It'll be a long, hard fight to the tune of a hard day's night. Another strike at Berkeley was led by the cohesive singing of the Beatles song, Yellow Submarine, in 1966 at an anti-war protest. What was so great about this gathering was that there was a mix of hippies, activists, students, and non-students that were brought together by the meeting of this song. In Jonathan Gold's book, Can't Buy Me Love, an activist named Michael Rossman said, Yellow Submarine was first proposed by the Beatles, who taught us a new kind of song, celebrating the growing fusion of head, heart, and hands of hippies and activists, making a resol resolution which broke into song and we adopt today for this unexpectedly symbol of our trust in our future. The experimentation with drugs during this time was also proposed with the help of the Beatles. As Robin Richmond was quoted in Stephen Stark's book, in many ways the counterculture was about altered states of consciousness, which really meant drugs. In other decades, the drug of choice would have been alcohol. But for now, the counterculture, they wanted something more passive. So they looked to marijuana and other psychedelic drugs like LSD. They liked something with a less aggressive external projection because they were wanting to find peace amongst each other. Peace and love were key elements in the mission behind this group, as well as for the Beatles. Some of their songs that sang about peace and love are Can't Buy Me Love, All You Need Is Love, Let It Be, and of course, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. These drugs and songs helped release attention for these members of this culture. They didn't want to worry about politics, the war, or the unfairness going on throughout the country. Instead, they just wanted to enjoy life and maybe laugh a little bit with not a care in the world. Let's address what one member of the band did on his own to bring together this culture. John Lennon was a great participant of the anti-war protest. With the help of his wife at the time, Yoko Ono, the two set out to create ways as well as care for the hippie movement to be able to express and feel how they wanted. 
One notable thing that they did was host bed-ins, where people were allowed to stay for a certain number of days in rooms that they had owned. They did this to keep these people safe and feel supported when they were traveling around and protesting against world matters. One significant song that John had written and released on his own in 1971 was Imagine. The song talks about world peace and how hopeful Lennon was to have peace and an end to the war be the way of the world. Although the Beatles split in 1970, I think it is fair to say their legacy lives on. Their songs are still referenced today and still give off heavy emotions to people all over the world. For me, when I hear their songs, I feel a sense of nostalgia, as if I was a kid growing up in the 60s. They give off happiness in the sense that everything is going to be okay. By their songs, physical appearances, and efforts to make their fans feel invincible in such chaotic and challenging times in the United States, it is fair to say they did more than just make music. Derek Taylor, according to Starks Reed, said, The Beatles were not a pop group. They were an abstraction, a repository for many things. Lennon said in his own words, Changing a lifestyle and the appearance of the youth didn't just happen. We set out to do it. Their way of doing so brought purpose to the counterculture as they assured these kids that their perseverance was not going unnoticed. As their time started to part, the release of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in 1967 which was also the Summer of Love, put a book end to assure them that they had done their job. In subject of the album, and the band in particular, Stark wrote, At no time in American history has youth possessed the strength it possesses now. Trained by music, linked by music, it has the power for good to change the world. This was said by Rolling Stone's writer, Ralph Gleason, in 1968. The album's particular sound and messages brought projection to the world that times are changing, and it was thanks to the youth of the 60s and their counterculture. To sum up the end of the cultural era, Lennon said, The dream is over. I would like to end with a piece written by critic Langdon Winner that beautifully concludes what these four boys in Liverpool had done. In every city in Europe and America, the stereo systems and the radio played. What would you think if a saying out of tune, woke up, got out of bed, looked much older, and the bag across her shoulder, in the sky with diamonds, Lucy in the... And everyone listened. At the time I had happened to be driving across country on Interstate 80, in each city where I stopped for gas or food, the melodies wafted in from some far-off transitor radio or portable hi-fi. It was the most amazing thing I've ever heard. For a brief while, the irreparably fragmenting consciousness of the West was unified, at least in minds of the young. This episode was created with the help of the following sources. Meet the Beatles, a cultural history of the band that shook youth, gender, and the world, written by Stephen Stark. The Beatles, the illustrated biography by Tim Hill. JohnLennonPeace.Weebly.com Wikipedia.org, the cultural impact of the Beatles. And the YouTube video, A Taste of Beatlemania in the 1960s by CBS News.
Together! 